And let me ask you this. Before you had a child, were you tidy people? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's only escalated. And tell me, like, is your is your husband a, a pretty, like, tidy guy? Or? No. No? no? <laughs> like, He's, was... like, really bad. So when we first started dating, he had just, like, a cardboard box of his clean clothes and a cardboard box for dirty clothes. And he would just, <laughs> you know, he'd never actually put them away. <laughs> Welcome to How To. I'm Charles Duhigg. I imagine you are spending a lot of time at home right now, right? Like like all of us are. And if you are anything like me, you're just overwhelmed by the chaos inside your own house with kids being home from school and things being dirty and piles of things everywhere. And so we thought this week we would spend some time trying to help you and a listener tame her chaotic household. And later in the show, we'll have our first quarantine Q&A where our own listeners offer solutions about living through the coronavirus to you. But first, I want to introduce you to Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Yes. Hey, I'm Charles. Nice to meet you. Come on in. About a month ago, before most of New York began sheltering in place, I went to Sarah's apartment in Brooklyn. Sarah describes herself as a part-time lawyer, a part-time writer, and a part-time stay-at-home parent. But with all those jobs, she struggles to find the time to keep the house orderly. It just feels like it, it, it can be like a whole day where my daughter's at daycare. I do nothing but try to like put the house back together. Right. And, um, then, and then it can fall apart very, very quickly. Like within minutes? Of... Yeah, for, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with that, with like that, that yeah. When I visited Sarah, she had just learned that her husband, starting the next day, would be working from home and her daughter's school would be closing. Sarah's daughter is two years old, and keeping things clean, it's tough, even in the best of times. But now, Sarah worries that the domestic chaos is only going to get worse. Yeah, not that it's only my responsibility to clean, like I do have a husband too here, <laughs> but um, I think it bothers me a lot more than it bothers him. I don't feel like I can like actually relax or enjoy the house or really fully focus on anything else when it's this cluttered. Sarah's family has lived here for a couple of years. It's a two-bedroom apartment. And, you know, being New York, it's fairly small and fairly cluttered. It looks like you guys have two couches and um, a wooden thing with a bunch of toys in it. Like yes. there's some dinosaur toys there. And there's an Elmo and a Bert. And then a stuffed shark that looks like it's about three feet tall. Yeah. Because if you have a small shark. living room, what you really need is It really is, is, a, is an enormous shark. A stuffed shark. Like, I've done some pretty hardcore Marie Kondoing, like throwing stuff out. And I've developed my own kind of system, which is that in New York apartments, you can only keep what you need right now. Okay. You can't keep stuff for the past or the future. I keep like waiting to get over a hump of, you know, that if I can just get it really good, it'll be almost impossible to mess up again. Right. And if we can just get to that stage, somehow things will be smooth sailing from then on. Yeah, and has that um, ever happened? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Can we help Sarah bring some order to her family chaos? It may take more than a little Marie Kondo cleaning up. And that's why we invited over this guy. Hello. Hello. How Hi. are you? I'm not shaking your hand. Yep. Because we're doing <laughs> we this. Go. We're doing this. Come on in. Charlie. Stick around. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. 
You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. We're back in Sarah's Brooklyn apartment, and our expert has just arrived to help us dig out from under the mess. Thanks for doing this. It's my pleasure. As yeah. the families were not hard enough, now we have to uh, social distance ourselves, actually. Yes. <laughs> this is Bruce Feiler. And I've spent the last 15 years thinking and writing about families and how to make them work better. A few years ago, Bruce wrote a book called The Secrets of Happy Families, and it came out of this experience he had recovering from cancer, which had forced him basically to spend a few years cooped up with his own family. And suddenly I couldn't leave the home. I was in bed for a year. I was on crutches for two years. So I was like, oh, I'm going to like become incredibly interested in what do people do with closets and how do dinners work better and how can families relate together. And so it was sort of was by accident that I got interested in it. That's really interesting. When you first had to be at home, like before, like when yes. you first started thinking about this, like were you like a particularly sort of tidy or organized person or was it, was it like, like what was that like? <laughs> Even as I left the house this morning, my wife reminded me, you know, you wrote about happy families, not because we had one, but because <laughs> we wanted one, right? So <laughs> I think that we found ourselves in a situation that everybody finds themselves in, which is the old rules no longer apply and the new rules have not been written. We thought that Bruce, if he saw Sarah's apartment, he might have some suggestions for how to think about taming the chaos. So we started with a quick tour. Okay, so so I'm looking at your at your living room, yes, um, which is right by the the kitchen table. The this is the desk room. too, isn't it? And this is the game center. <laughs> and then next to that, you have like a kids kitchen. Yep. A little like like chair, like a kids chair, which we actually have the same one. This oh one, really? This one has a number of dolls in it. Um, there's drums. There's an oven mitt. There's a plastic colander. And then you guys have a, a kids table here, like a barrel with a the table on top of it. Yeah, I'm unclear what. That, that, I can't explain this. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It's just, it just is. Okay, so we're, we're walking down, short, short hallway. You guys have one bathroom. Yeah. Oh, okay, wow. all right, here's where it gets back. Okay, so here, here's your guys' bedroom. Okay. Yeah, this is so like, this is um, just like the trash heap. It looks like a whirlwind came through and just deposited clothes in kind of <laughs> randomly around the room. Yeah, it's generally like we've just clothes we've taken off. And then you guys have a bed. bunch of like games in a, a cabinet. A lot of board games. And more clothes in front of the small bathroom on the ground. Sounds right. Yeah, it's a little it's a little messy. I just, I, I'm just in like shut it out denial kind of about this room, you know? Bruce had been quiet for most of our tour through Sarah's house. And when we sat down at her kitchen table slash desk slash game center, he told us what he'd been thinking. What you have here is a child-centered house. Definitely. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Uh, and you can see it. You, you, you described it when you were describing the living room. The heart of your living room, it's very telling. It's not a television. The centerpiece actually is a, is a children's kitchen set. Okay? And what that says to me is that creating an environment for your daughter, where she can feel like she's the center of the family, 
is really important to you, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thing. But the problem is, is that you feel like your voice is being drowned out. Is there a place here where you feel entirely comfortable? That is your space. That is not child-centered. That is not husband-tolerant. That is your space. Not that I can think of. Not that you can think (laughs) of. Massive rule that I've been thinking about since the second I walked in here. To me, like the bumper sticker of 15 years of thinking about families is spend less time worrying about what you do wrong and spend more time focusing on what you do right. Looks to me like games or tea parties around that. What is that table? (laughs) It makes no sense except for the fact that it's the perfect size for a tea party with a two and a half year old. (laughs) That maybe that's why you keep it around. How does that strike you, Sarah? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I had thought about the question about the space. I thought, you know, the the balcony was the first place my mind went to as a possibility. Um, As a space for you? Yeah. But then it also is sort of just a storage space for like the scooter and stuff, you know. Here's our first rule. Create a space of your own. Everyone needs their own space. And right now it's hard because we're all jammed into quarantine alongside each other or because the easiest thing to use a spare room for is storage. But especially now, making sure each person has a space will help make your home feel less chaotic and it will give you a sense of control. High-functioning families, they adapt all the time. There's a line from the startup internet Silicon Valley culture that I think applies to families, which is, if you're doing the same thing you did six months ago, you're doing the wrong thing. Listen to your, your particular situation. Okay, my daughter is getting older. I'm now going back to work. We're now in a, in, a, in a national emergency. Now suddenly my husband's coming home. That's not an aberration. That's every week in some capacity because the next week mom has a business trip and the next week dad has a big presentation. Then Life is just constantly chaotic. Life is constantly chaotic and you need a way to adapt to the fact that it's changing at all time. I guess I feel like I'm constantly trying new organizational schemes and like throwing out more stuff and trying to find something that will just work and that I'll stick with. And I haven't found it. So my reaction to the conversation that we've just been having is when are we going to start talking about the family? Because we haven't been talking about the family. We've been talking about the house. We've been talking about tidiness. We've been talking about laundry. We've been talking about kitchens. We've been talking about furniture and bathrooms and and, and trash and recycling. When are we going to talk about the family? And so here's the thing. When we come back, we'll start talking about the family and what really matters. Not the clutter in your house, but how your family actually functions inside of it. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions, 
built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. We're back with Sarah and her expert, Bruce Feiler. And Bruce himself knows, based on his own experience of being cooped up with his family when he was recovering from illness... He knows what it's like to have a family life that feels out of control. We had what we thought at the time was a unique set of circumstances. I work at home, okay? That creates a certain dynamic uh, that is kind of different from most people. My wife leaves the house every day and goes and is a business executive. We had identical twins, which means we had this dynamic times two. We were always kind of reacting to an incredible kind of crush of events and circumstances and chaos that we thought that was unique to our situation. The reality is every family in their own way is responding to a crush of children, chaos, technology, old set of rules and expectations that we bring to our relationships and our families. And there simply is no kind of open conversation about how to make it work, about the essence of being a family, which is how we're going to live together in a way that doesn't kill us and, in fact, uh, makes us healthier and stronger and happier. Yeah. Okay, so so we, we toured through Sarah's house. We've kind of, like, looked at the the physical chaos of the house. But what should we be talking about first that gets to the heart of this? Let me just ask a couple of questions. This is your home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is your show. Let me just ask a couple of questions. What do you like best about your family? Hmm. It's like hard to answer. I mean, I think that in general, we have a really happy marriage and a happy kid. Um, And 
and knew I was going to cry. That's okay, <laughs> as soon as you started. Now yeah. we're bringing emotion into it. That's the other thing that yeah. was lacking. Sometimes it's like, I think that our marriage, you know, it's been a lot harder since we've had a young kid. But then I look at how other people are doing with young kids, and I actually feel like we're doing really, really well. Like, we really support each other um, uh, the best we can under difficult circumstances. Uh, what, what are the bedrock values of this family? Um, I think that a lot of parents kind of get caught up in the crush of like, well, this my kid deserves the best at all costs and at the cost of other kids. Um, and it's very, very important to me that our family doesn't operate like that. And then we make choices that also also respect like the the greater good um, for for other people. So let me ask one more question. Mm-hmm. When people come over, mm-hmm. we've just come over in effect. Yes. Um, what, what are you most proud of? Hmm. I don't know. Like if, if you guys, if, if my husband and daughter were here, I would feel proud of them. I feel proud to have such a cute and talkative kid. Um, I guess there's nothing about the physical space that I feel particularly proud of. It's really more like the stuff about us that's, that's internal <laughs> that, I, that I feel proud of. So to me, now we, now, we, now we can have a conversation. We're having a much more holistic conversation. And the conversation that we started having, which was the place is a mess, I feel stressed, uh, I, I feel it's not order, it's my job. Now we're rolling up our sleeves and we're saying, okay, how does our family want to operate mm-hmm. in this kind of roiling stew of change that we're all experiencing? Here's our next rule on how to tame a chaotic household. Realize it's not about the mess, and it's not about waiting until changes will stop, because part of being a family is accepting that things are always changing. Rather, when things feel like they're out of control, it might be a sign that we've lost touch, at least a little bit, with the things we really care about, with our values and our ability to communicate with each other. It's when we feel out of step with those things, not when things are messy, that life starts to feel chaotic. And so we have to get back to living in a way that feels meaningful again. So who who is the keeper of who is the who's the COO of this family? Me. Right. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So this is the other thing that jumped out at me, right? Mm-hmm. So that it, it, it seems to me that you feel like you you're running the operating system of this family. Yes. And of course, one of the questions I have is why is that your job? Well, part of the reason I, I left my full-time job because I felt like I couldn't do it. Like, I, 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 my tolerance for feeling chaos is pretty low. Um, and so that's, you know, a big recent change was something that we're trying out, I guess. So tell me a little bit more if, about that. What do you, like, so you decided to, like, why did you decide to leave your job? Well, because, like, in part because I'm trying to really pursue a writing career um, and in part because we just we we were in this gap where we couldn't afford the childcare necessary to cover full time hours, 
but it was also very difficult to make it work without full coverage at what was ostensibly a full-time job where I was in the office two days a week and but then supposed to work from home full-time which worked when she napped but yeah I've read all all these books about the mental load and the physical load that falls on women in particular um and it does really annoy me <laughs> it's it that's a real thing what if I told you that the single best thing that you could do would be to decentralize that operating system. We have to get the rest of the family into the conversation about how we're functioning as a family. Mm -hmm. And we adopted a system in my family called an Agile family meeting from the Agile way of running businesses. So once a week, we're going to sit down and have a family meeting. 20 minutes, half an hour max. Your daughter's younger, so it would be less time for you. I have teenagers, so sometimes there's some, you know, there's lots of conflict around this. Yeah. But it's, we're going to ask three questions. What's working well in our family this week? Everybody's going to go around and say something. What's not working well? And then more important, what are we going to focus on this week? Here's another rule. Hold family meetings. It might feel formal and strange, at, at least at first, but it works. That's why companies have meetings, right? So why not families? The process of setting a time to sit down and to check in with each other and make sure that we all feel appreciated and we know what we're supposed to be doing this week, it it not only helps distribute the responsibility, that's how you reinforce your shared values. Okay, and you're going to say, maybe in this conversation, I'm upset that the bathroom is messy. And rather than saying, it's my job to fix it, you're part of our system. It's all of our job. Because your husband's going to have something else. It may be, you know... Uh, I don't like X, or I'm frustrated by this. And eventually, as your daughter is able to join this conversation, she's going to have things. But the point is, we're now having a conversation where we're going to talk about how we can all together make it work better. The next rule also comes from Bruce's experience in business management. You should write out a family mission statement. Anybody who's been in an organization has done this. But in an organization that is most central to our happiness, our families, we don't do it. So I would actually advocate going out and doing it, like sitting down, asking a series of questions. What do I like best about my family? When people come to visit, what am I most proud of? When I'm not here, what do I miss the most? And articulating it, if if we were doing this in my uh, breakfast room kitchen area, which is also open like this, it's literally on the wall. Like a whiteboard, like you're like putting up on the wall. We like... originally did it on a, on a flip chart, you know, but, but it's got things like we bring people together, we help others to fly, we're travelers, not tourists. And a few weeks after we did this, literally the flip chart thing was in my office. And then one of my daughters in first grade, we got a call from the principal's office that she's gotten into a fight with a kid and we have to come in. And so my daughter comes in and my wife, who like runs an organization in 40 countries around the world, she's very commanding. She was like, "Eh, eh, eh." she had no idea how to solve this problem. And the flip chart was on the wall. And so I said to my then whatever, six, six year old, anything up there that seems to apply. And she looked down and there was one like we help others to fly. And that allowed us to have a conversation. And, And this is the thing, like we know a lot. If you look at modern psychology, you have to identify your best possible self. You, you have to say, this is who I want to be to make personal goals. It's the same thing with our family, and we don't do it. Now, I want to be clear. We don't sit around every morning and dance kumbaya and say, this is who we are. Chaos reigns. But when it does rain, we have a reminder of this is what's most important to us. Sarah, I'd love, for, like, let's try and come up with your 
with the mission statement. Obviously, your your husband and daughter aren't here to help you with it, but yeah. well, we can take a, we can take a stab at it. But like, where would that conversation start? Where what are the five things that you think are most important to you guys as a family? Yeah, I mean that that's just like a basic one and sort of a cliche one, but I do think we it's really important to us to respect one another. Okay, and that you know we at the very best we can treat our daughter with respect like a person with her own agenda and missions you know that are obviously generally in conflict with ours but um that her voice has weight it's interesting that you mentioned that do you feel like you mentioned that you you're often the one tidying up and you're you're sort of straightening up things and that that it falls more on you than it does on your husband does that feel like it's not in keeping with that respect that you that you have that that duty and he doesn't? Well, it's funny. Like, I think that it's a bad path for me to go down to view his messiness as being at me and being as a disrespect of me as a person and of my time and all of that. Because ultimately he was like that when I met him. I've, I've said to him before that I wish I could see a pie chart of exactly how much of his mess is within his control and how much is kind of just part of who he is. So um, in a situation so, like that, where where a value that's clearly important in this family mission statement is respect, and you don't want to get into this finger pointing thing. You don't want to say like, I have to clean up. It feels like you're disrespecting me because otherwise you're going to feel like that all the time. Yeah. How do we make it a source of growth rather than recrimination? Well, first of all, I thought your question was beautiful about ish. Are you being respected by carrying this guilt? Um, but his beautiful question was blown away by your beautiful answer, right? Which is that there are certain aspects of being in this situation that I'm in, a happy marriage with compromises as any marriage is going to have, and therefore I, I, I'm not going to be able to 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 change that. Yeah. And having, a, as we all know, having a relationship based on hope is not having a relationship. And let me ask you this. We started the conversation talking about your apartment as a sort of a chaotic place. Mm-hmm. And 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 what we've really spent most of this conversation about is, is the emotional life of your family and the chaos that, that occurs just when people live with each other. Mm-hmm. If we come back in a month or three weeks and I walk into this apartment, what do you think is different? How do you know that things are getting better? Well, I think it's it's, you know, how I feel about what it looks like versus what it actually looks like. Yeah. So I would hope that our bedroom would look better, but it's kind of refreshing to hear that it's not that much about the actual physical look of, of yeah. the space. I was in high school when I first read Anna Karenina and encountered the most famous opening line in world literature. Yep. <laughs> all happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. There is no universal happiness, okay? This this house is can be Marie Kondo'd and family meetinged and rearranged and Ikea Tupperware storaged forever. And it's ultimately not going to give you or any of the other people who live in this place, what they're looking for. Huh. 
It is a commitment that as long as we're going to be together, we have to be committed to working it out. You can take small steps. You can have conversations. You can get frustrated, come back and try again. You can have small wins. And in the process, you can make yourself happier and you can make everybody in the family happier. I mean, you guys have a beautiful apartment. And it sounds to me like the apartment itself doesn't bother you as much as feeling like things are out of control or all falling on you that matters much more. I think that's right. Yeah. It is nice to focus on the things we're doing right, that it's not chaos all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Not all bad. Thank you to Sarah for sharing her story and opening up her home to us. And and thank you to Bruce Feiler for his fantastic advice. You should look for his book, The Secrets of Happy Families, which has lots of tips like this. Or his latest book, The Council of Dads, which has just been made into a new NBC television show. And by the way, just a quick update. Sarah says she and her family have already had three family meetings, and it's helping. Hey, everyone. It's Sarah. Overall, I feel proud of us for how we've handled the last few weeks. Um, We're not at each other's throats. We're doing what we need to do, and we're all okay. So thank you again for coming. I hope I can have people over someday soon. We hear you, Sarah. And in fact, that's a perfect segue to a new feature that we're doing called Quarantine Q&A. Each week, we're asking listeners to send us the questions they have about how to survive this pandemic and solutions for things that they found in their own life. My name is Terry, and I need your help um, with how to convince a family member that COVID-19 is a real pandemic and a real threat. And here's what another listener suggested as a solution. My name is Eamon. My dad's a real salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. He works uh, as a tow truck driver, so he's in the street every day, every night. And so... I tried to call him, let him know that we weren't going to go visit him because we were afraid for his safety. And I thought that that struck a chord with him. I think that made him realize that it was a little bit more serious because you're saying, look, I can't see you anymore for our safety. It's better than nothing. That's kind of how I'm choosing to see it right now. That's the voice of Eamon Ismail, host of the Slate podcast Man Up, which is a great show if you haven't checked it out. And keep calling us with your questions and solutions at 646-495-4001. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at cduhig to see what advice we're asking about. Thanks. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen is our production assistant, and Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Asha Saluja and Sung Park. Stay inside, stay healthy, and I'm Charles Duhigg. Thanks for listening. Lately, every day can feel like a year. And that's why The Gist with Mike Pesca is here for you at the end of each weekday to help you make sense of it all. Tune in to hear Mike's analysis of the outbreak and its political implications, how this virus is affecting Trump's re-election chances, how his economically motivated optimism might impact all of us. So subscribe to The Gist wherever you get your podcasts.